Vahini Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen. No flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey. Thank you for joining us here on Enchanted Tiki Talk. This is episode 7. We had a great show last week with our $40 a day segment and our special guest, Safari Mike. This week we're honored and extremely excited to have a special guest with us. You may know him as the voice of Goofy and Pluto, but he's a true Disney legend, Bill Farmer. Oh, it's so nice to be on the the show with you today. Welcome, Bill. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have you ever done Goofy's like grandfather or anything like that? Uh, yeah, over the years back in the Goof Troop days, I did one where I did like uh, Goofy's mother, and it was more like Gorge, how are you? You know, it was like that. <laughs> oh, that's great! Wow, uh, I'm blown away right now. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just wanted to, uh, I guess, you know, get some. In, some information from you. Who were who were some of the voice actors that inspired you or that you looked up to when you first started? Well, let me see. Uh, probably the most important one that I uh, uh, credit with a lot of my success over the years was when I first came out to California in 1986. I took uh, classes from Dawes Butler, and uh, for those who don't know, Dawes was the voice behind many of the most uh, notably uh, Hanna-Barbera characters, Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Snagglepuss, Quick Draw McGraw, Captain Crunch, and wow. probably about a hundred more. He was uh, just a great mentor, and uh, he taught a lot of the voiceover greats uh, that are around today. Nancy Cartwright started off with him, uh, uh, Corey Burton, um, gosh, you know, many of them, uh, Bob Bergen, uh, a lot of them took classes from Dawes. He was a genuinely nice guy, and when I first came out, you know, someone said, "Oh, you got to take classes from Dawes Butler," and I'm going, "The Dawes Butler?" You know, I said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." So he gave me his home phone number, and he answered the phone. And he kind of sounded like Captain Crunch. He was like, "Hello, how you doing?" Well, okay, Bill. Why don't you come on over and yeah, we'll just have fun, you know. And on Wednesday nights, he would have classes at his house teaching you the art of voice acting and script work and that kind of thing. And uh, what a what a great guy he was. So definitely he was the one. And, of course, you know, Mel Blanc is probably up on everyone's list, and I was fortunate enough to meet him shortly before he passed away back in the late 80s uh, when I think the last movie he did, and I had a little bit to do with, was Roger Rabbit. But I yeah. also had met him uh, just kind of uh, actually at a book signing once. I got him to sign his... Uh, his uh, autobiography to uh, Too Goofy from Mel Blanc, and I treasure that. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, Roger Rabbit's a big uh, fan favorite. You know, that's with us, too. You started um, as a stand-up, right? Yeah, yeah. I started in uh, Dallas, Texas, actually, in stand-up. My degree was in broadcast journalism, so I kicked around in radio for a number of years before that, uh, after college, and... Uh, kind of learned on-air stuff, and I was also had a background in electronics, so I was a chief engineer, um, 
but I got out of that and worked in electronics for a number of years. And oh, there's Goofy's dog that wants out. <laughs> okay, hold hold on one second. I'm gonna let the dog out. Hold. On. Okay. <laughs> he can throw his voice outstanding. <laughs> I write off my dogs as research. You know, it's kind of <laughs> neat. <laughs> Quick aside before you get back, what is Goofy's dog's name, by the way? Uh, that was Roxy, and I have another one named Boo, who's uh, half uh, half black lab, half pit bull, and we don't even know what Roxy is. She's some little ter- <laughs> we call her uh, some kind of a terrier thing. We call her the terrierist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do uh do you still um get up and do um a stand up nowadays or? Uh, Occasionally, yes, I did a stand-up routine uh, last couple of years for the Disney on the Disney uh, cruise ship, the Dream, the Disney Dream for a, a Disney Vacation Club members cruise, and oh. I did stand-up on that. I'm also in uh, Fred Willard's uh, sketch comedy group called the Mohos, and we get together on Monday nights and write sketches and comedy bits, and the best ones make it into a show which we put on stage at the Second City Theater in uh, in Hollywood once about once every month or so. And uh, working with Fred is just just, just tremendous because uh, he's, he's such an old pro and, and one of the funniest guys you'd ever meet. He is hilarious. I love him on Modern Family. He's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, had such a great career. He's kind of like the go-to funny guy, you know, everything back and all of the... You know, like uh, uh, Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman and all of those, even the Spinal Tap and, you know, all these things. He's 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 great. Cool. Uh, so what was the first voice you discovered that you were able to do? I was, I was uh, let's see. Uh, well, there were a couple of them kind of happened about, about simultaneously, but I think the first voice I actually tried to do was on uh, the old Get Smart TV show. It was uh, Don Adams of Get Smart, and I oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of figured out. All right, ninety nine. You know, missed it by that much. <laughs> oh wow! And uh, I, I just kind of hey, I can kind of do that. My friends thought it was cool. Hey, that's cool, Barbara. Why don't you do that? You know, you know. <laughs> and so uh, it just kind of became a thing uh, with my friends. Hey, have you learned any new ones? And I'd, I'd practice them, and I picked up a lot of the western ones very early on, like. John Wayne getting them wagons in a circle, and and uh, well, God darn it, we're gonna get them wagons in a circle, <laughs> you know, and all of those old Western actors and stuff, and uh, it just kind of became a little hobby of mine. But I never thought it'd turn into a career. <laughs> Would you ever like call your friends and and play a joke on them, pretending to be somebody famous? Yeah, and uh, actually, I, I've told this story several times, but really, one of the ways I got—I was real shy at the time, and I, I'd impersonate teachers and stuff. And we'd drive through places like you know Burger King or something, and they'd say, "Order in a weird voice," and I'd, uh, you know, I'd like a Whopper with cheese, and Arnold the Pig would like a Coca Cola, you know, and they'd look out and everything, and it was big fun and everything. But uh, <laughs> like I say, I never thought it'd turn into a job. <laughs> so along those same lines, do you do you consider your your talent? Uh, is it natural to you? Did you kind of learn it, or is it a combination of the two? 
It's absolutely a combination of the two. I had a natural affinity for just mimicry and kind of picking up those voices. But obviously with practice and really devoting yourself to it, you can get a lot better at it. But I guess it's kind of like, you know, basketball or something like that. Some people are just better at it than others. and But you can always get better by practice. Fast forwarding to your uh, goofy days, is there a part that stands out? I know that you've done thousands of them, but is there a few that stick out for you? Oh, absolutely. Well, one of the first one, actually, it, it, the first time I actually got to see uh, something I did that was on the big screen in a theater, which was um, a short we did called The Prince and the Pauper, which uh, was released in, in front of the movie The Rescuers Down Under 2. And that was the first time I ever saw myself uh, in, in an animated setting, at least, on the big screen. And that was really uh, thrilling because the first time I heard myself do Goofy in front of an audience and I also did Horse Horse Collar and Pluto and I was a chicken and a weasel guard and <laughs> you know so it, it was a, a great thrill and of course probably the all time favorite was uh, a Goofy movie because it was right. the first time any of the Fab Five got to star in a feature length feature film and uh, that was kind of a bonding thing for me and my son, who was about five at the time. And so he's trying to figure out, eh, is my dad's really goofy or is he just, <laughs> this is just a jump? But <laughs> it was a really bonding, fun thing. And also, again, whenever you can see an audience react to your work, it's always fun. Uh, just seeing people, you know, enjoying what you do. Right. Have you seen the um, the live-action Goofy movie? Where those oh, Yes, and I, I met the guy that did that. He came to a, uh, a, a signing, like a Comic-Con or something like that, and I got to meet the guy. And I thought, yeah, that did like the opening number. Right, of, yes. And, and he did it shot for shot, live action. It was incredible. And I urge anyone that uh, has a little bit of time, go on YouTube, find that thing, because it, it was incredible. And the work he put in, uh, it, it was marvelous. I just loved it. Yeah, that's that's an incredible video. The first time I saw that, I'm like, I'm like, no way. How did, you know, the amount of time it must have taken to do that. It's just, I was just curious if like you actually got the scene. I'm, I'm glad you have. So yeah, and the fact that it really is effective because they kind of show in a, a you know a quarter of the window the actual movie, and then the rest of the screen is the live action. Just the, in the same shots, in the same, but one's animated, one's live, and it just right. follows. They found sets and and people that kind of looked like the characters, and it was just amazing. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, we'll all be working for that guy someday. <laughs> Heck of a filmmaker. Yeah, it was great. Um, so I, I'm sure you've been to Disney World. Have you Have you been on to the Mickey's Frill Home Magic? Have you oh, seen that? Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, not on screen on that, but uh, in that one, Goofy is kind of like the stage manager, but you hear him, and, you know, and he's kind of walking around. It's very stereophonic in that he walks from one side of the theater to the next and helps Donald uh, and Mickey put on a show. Uh, yeah, those, those kind of interactive rides and, and things where you can hear yourself. There's also a Disneyland at, in Toontown at Mickey's, he has Mickey's Movie Barn, and Donald and Goofy are running the projector, and it's a, a similar kind of thing, and a lot of fun uh, to do and to uh, and to see it with a lot of uh, audience members. Do people ever recognize you when you're sitting in there? No, not too much. No, people really don't 
know who I am unless I, I turn on the voice. And sometimes right. I'll do that like standing in line at Disneyland. <laughs> if I'm standing in line and there's like some dad holding a kid, sometimes I'll just kind of go, Gorge, <laughs> but not let him see who's doing right. it. Then the kid looks right. around. Where'd that come? Where's I heard Goofy and Dad's like, "You're crazy." Go back. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow. So you obviously do a lot of different voices. Do you do you find it more difficult to create a, a voice and a character from scratch, or was it more difficult when you took over Goofy, who was already a you know kind of an iconic character? I think it's uh, much harder to do an established character because people know that voice. And if you deviate from it at all, people know that. And the obvious uh, idea is to get as close as you can to the original. So when I got the audition for Goofy, I was, you know, uh, just trying to be as close to Pinto Colvig's voice as I could. Over the years, I've kind of added my own spin to it and made it more mine. But when you first do that, you're just trying to do as a, you know a faithful a reproduction as you can. But when you get to create a character, that's you know all rules are off. You can just let your imagination go, and whatever kind of a voice you want to give to this character uh, that seems to work, uh, and you can ex- experiment and change voices around, and and uh, so it's definitely easier when you get to make it from scratch. Along those uh, same lines, when you did uh, Looney Tunes and Space Jam, um, yeah, was that like harder to do those voices? Well, uh, yes and no. I'd been probably practicing those voices. I was a big, you know, a Bugs Bunny fan ever since I was a kid, so I could kind of do a lot of those voices already. Like, oh, brother, hey, my is Tinker, you know, <laughs> you're an applicable, <laughs> you know, and. Ooh, I thought I told a putty tat fluffering flickitage. I I say that boy, that boy don't pay attention. So that was kind of already in the wheelhouse until and when I got the audition for that. But uh, getting to do some of Mel's voices was a big thrill for me because I was such a fan of his. Yeah, I was just going to say you must have been just excited to to take over for someone that you said was one of your mentors and, and to do some of the voices that he made famous. Absolutely. It's a big thrill. And, you know, I think about probably everyone would list Mel Blank as one of their influences uh, in this business because, uh, yeah, he was great. He's he the best. So are there any um, Disney roles or any role in particular that you missed out on and you wish you could have had? Oh, gosh. Yeah, all the time. Uh, you got to remember there's about 100,000 people that want to do voice acting. So, And on any given week in Hollywood, there's only about you know, four or 5,000 jobs. So on any given week, there's about 190,000 out-of-work actors. Um, and you can't do all of them. Um, and even on getting to audition for some, I would have loved to have been – I didn't audition for any of the, like the Animaniacs, and I loved that show. Um, and there's a lot of series that slip by and I don't get, uh, agents just can only send a few people. And if they don't think of you and think, Oh, Bill can do that. Sometimes they don't know what I can do and you don't get a chance to show what you can do. And I, I, would love to be, uh, you know, considered for a lot of those things, but some slip through the cracks and there's uh, always, always a lot of them that I'd uh, like to, cause it's always fun to work with my friends who uh, are on these shows and uh, it's like uh, 95% of what I do is auditioning for new work, and the 5% is actually doing the work and having fun. Wow. It's, you, you touched on this earlier um, about 
watching yourself. You said you enjoy seeing yourself uh, on the big screen or on uh-huh. on the small screen. Is that do you ever find it strange to you know sit back and go, wait a minute, that's me on that television screen or that movie screen? Yeah, it's I don't have too much on-screen experience because when I first came out here, I was going to do on-camera as well as as uh, as voiceover. Before that, when I lived back in Dallas, I booked a, um, in the movie RoboCop. If you ever see that, it was one of my nice. like first on-camera roles, and I noticed that that was in the middle of August in 1986. It was you know two in the morning. I'd been sitting around on the set for like eight hours. Yeah. It was about 90 degrees outside. And it was miserable in a way because you sit around for a long period of time and then you get in front of the cameras and then it's terrifying for a little bit. Whereas on animation, you go into the studio, it's an air-conditioned studio, you sit there with a microphone and you do your lines and you're out in an hour or two uh, traditionally. And it's a blast. So I didn't mind giving up the on-camera stuff. Uh, I also didn't like myself looking at myself on screen you're always picky about yourself but with an animated character they never age i don't look the same way that i did in 1986 but i sound the same so i can go go longer as an animated character right oh what was it like to receive legendary status at disney oh it was absolutely it was um just out of the blue i didn't even know i was in consideration for that the year before i got my disney legend award in 2009. In 2008, Wayne Allwine, who did the voice of Mickey Mouse, and Rusie Taylor, who did Minnie Mouse, got uh, honored by being a Disney legend. I didn't know if that would mean that we'd, you know, Donald and I would be next in line. It turned out that we were, um, and it was a great honor. I think they had, and I'm one, you know, we're one of the first people. I think Wayne was one of the first people that hadn't passed away before they gave him originally it was kind of almost a posthumous uh, award but with Wayne who was ailing at the time he later passed away in 2009 he um, he uh, they wanted to give it to him while he can enjoy it which I think is a great thing and it, it was a tremendous honor for me because our uh, our ceremony was the first one in front of the public before that it had always been on the legends plaza at the disney studios this one was at the anaheim convention center with a d23 convention and there were like 4500 people in attendance in the audience that saw saw me get the award and i got it alongside of uh, nine other people including tony and selma who does donald duck robin williams uh, betty white the, a lot of the golden girls uh, wow um, Don uh, Don Iwerks, who invented like a camera system, the Circle Rama ca- camera system for Disneyland, and uh, and Leota Toombs, who uh, was one of the costumers at, uh, at Disney, who did like all the Pirates of the Caribbean costumes and stuff. And her head was actually in the floating seance ball in the Haunted Mansion ride. Oh, yeah. that, that that was her too, and so that was a posthumous um, award. Um, but it was a tremendous, tremendous thrill and just a, kind of a highlight of my career thus far. So what is the uh, the process of recording Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? Is it, uh, do you, are there other voice actors are there with you or is it just you? It's normally uh, anymore and we've wrapped uh, our recording on that, uh, which we wrapped up, but there's, it takes so long to animate them, they'll be rolling out shows for the next year or two. I don't even think they, we did five seasons, I don't even think they rolled out 
I don't even know if they've started season four or just started that now. But anyway, um, when we started, we did it ensemble, like a radio play. We'd all be in the same room and reading a, uh, like a radio play, a script. We'd be reading just kind of live. And I'd be reacting to Wayne, who would be, you know, gosh, okay, Pluto, okay, Goofy, you know, wars, let's go, Mickey. Just like that, we'd be talking to each other. Now, it's easier with nonlinear editing and, you know, and uh, uh, Pro Tools and uh, the other programs that they use, that they can just record me doing my line, like if I'm saying, you know, come on, Mickey, let's go, come on, Mickey, let's go. Come on, Mickey, let's go. I can give them like three different ways. They pick the one that works the best, and they put it in. They pick that one, and then they'll pick the take that Wayne did and just marry them together in the editing process, which is easier for editors to do. And you get the best of my takes and the best of his takes. So that's kind of the direction that it's generally going. Gotcha. Okay. When you get to do um, more adult like roles, like in uh, in Robot Chicken, um, oh yeah, is that like fun? Oh, absolutely. To just to be be like more you know adult and grown up and things yeah. once in a while. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, as great as Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is, it's for the five and under you know crowd, mm-hmm. and so I already know how to count to twenty, so it can get a little, <laughs> <laughs> it can get a little kind of uh, repetitious. And of course, it's much more you know fun to do more adult humor, more you know little little more clever than the uh, the stuff they do for the the kids. Uh, it's always great that kids love these characters and they work at all ages. But uh, we have a new series uh, of Mickey Mouse shorts that are out, and they're much more for the adults and older kids. And they're getting a great deal of uh, response now, and they're a fun blast to do because they're just. Yeah, you know, they're written for adults, and so it's just funnier for us, and that's always more fun. Yeah, those 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 are great. My, those new animated shorts are yeah. amazing. I love them. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're wonderful because they're so like off the wall. They're like, okay, Goofy's going to be a zombie. That's cool. <laughs> and <laughs> the animation is off a little bit, and I love it. I think yeah, great. absolutely, it's much more kind of Ren and Stimpy. And uh, Paul Rudish, who was executive producer on the show, is from he kind of helped create and do the uh, the Powerpuff Girls. So it has more of that kind of retro look, and definitely a new take on the characters. Uh, and it's a blast to do. Yeah, I think that writing is wonderful, and it's just a, a joy to be involved with that. So if there was one voice or a role in the past or present which you could do, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, you know who I, I, I actually kind of finally uh, lived out my fantasy. I'd always wanted to do some of the Jay Ward uh uh, characters like Dudley Doolite of the Mounties, Bullwinkle the Moose, <laughs> and I got to do Bullwinkle finally, uh, not for a cartoon or anything, uh, but with June Foray. They were honoring her down at uh, Comic Con, and they had a and so uh, Greg Berger, who's a great voice actor, did Bor- uh, Boris Badenoff, and I did Bullwinkle to June Foray's Rocky, and of course she's. Yeah, the original voice and 95, I think she's 96 now and still working. Uh, and that was, you know, she's a living legend. I really enjoyed working with her and have known her for years, but never really got to work with her. Definitely in a dialogue in front of like 2,500 great fans. So that was kind of a dream come true. So I'm, and I would have liked to have done some more of the, uh, 
uh, also uh, of Dawes's voices, which I have never, never done, like, uh, you know, Snagglepuss, Exit, Stage Left, <laughs> uh, Ahoy, mateys, Come Crunch Cereals, Taste Crunchy, Even in Milk, you know, and all of those kind of things. So there's a lot of them I'd love to do. Uh, so before you started working for, for Disney, before you uh, got the voice of Goofy, were you, were you a Disney fan pre-employment uh, with them? Well, as as it happened, Goofy was my favorite Disney character, always has been, ever since the old, you know, the wonderful world of color and, and stuff like that. I always look for, um, you know, Goofy cartoons. He was my favorite. And, yeah, I also, I loved, I didn't see him that often, though, except in the movie theaters. And ever since, you know, like back in, you know, Mary Poppins, who didn't like that, absent-minded professor for some reason, I I loved when I was really a little kid. I loved that. I said, I want a flying car, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I was a Disney fan. I wasn't an Uber fan. There are a lot of people that are out there who are like super fans. They know stuff that, <laughs> like I, did, that I don't even yeah. remember. Yeah. People will ask me, like, uh, third episode, you do cool, and you had a dinosaur egg. Well, what was that like? I don't even remember it. I can't find my wallet. So. That was our next question. I'll scratch that off. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask that, too. Uh, so, if, you know, Goofy was your, your favorite character, you just said, and, and you yeah. said it was difficult to, to move into mimicking uh, or becoming Goofy when you took the role. Was, what's yeah. the, what was the hardest part for you to pick up uh, What's the hardest part of being goofy? Uh, two things, the laugh and the yell, because they're very specific, and they're kind of hard vocally to do. The laugh, which uh, took me a while to kind of get, which is, <laughs> has a lot of little things in it to do it right. The yell, or when Goofy falls off of a mountain, I'll probably blow the microphone out here, which I can't do really loud here because I don't have the right equipment, was is very difficult to get right because it wasn't even done by Pinto Kolvig. It was done by a yodeler by the name of Hans Schroll, and he did that in a 1947, The Art of Skiing. Um, and that's hard to master because it has to be the right microphone, the right room, the right amount of reverb to really do justice to it. And those, that's definitely probably the hardest thing I have to do is Goofy. Can you do the Wilhelm scream? The, uh, the which one? The Wilhelm scream. Oh, you, uh, you mean, um, uh, oh, just the, I'll try it here. So I get away from the microphone. <laughs> that was awesome. That's great. Uh, um, um, you, you need better, better equipment than I've got to get it. No, that was perfect. This, yeah, that, was, no. that was amazing. That was, that was good. You starred in a new film, I Know That Voice. Do you enjoy the recognition that voice actors have received in recent years? Yeah, I'm really glad that they are finally, uh, finally shining the spotlight on voice acting because I think it was an underappreciated art form for so long. Right. Uh, even back when Beauty and the Beast was up for the best uh, picture Oscar, uh, someone wrote in one of the, the blogs that it's amazing that a picture is up for best actor, a best picture that has no actors. Well, duh, we are actors. Whether <laughs> yeah. there's a camera there or not, we are acting. There's no microphone and camera there when you're on stage in a play, but they're actors. 
we're all actors. It's just right. different, uh, whether you're pointing a camera or not, or just a microphone, different techniques, but it's still acting, and just as important to have good acting chops behind the microphone as in front of the camera. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so is there any um, funny stories from the studio that you oh, can tell always, us? Always funny stories. Um, the, the worst ones usually start giggling. You know, because something will, you'll just say something and it just strikes someone's funny bone. And I, I, I always tell the story about one of the Mickey Mouse episodes we did called Dr. Daisy. And one, one of the lines, Daisy's a doctor, and so Goofy has hurt his knee and going to Dr. Daisy. And so Mickey and the gang said this, this line. They had to say, gosh, why don't we all blow on Goofy's boo-boo? <laughs> well, try saying that with that with a straight face. Right. You know, after that, every line became dirty to us. You know, and I couldn't get. To, I, we couldn't. We just started cracking up. And Rusie, who does many's laying on the floor laughing, holding her side. She's like, you know, and and Wayne, who had a great sense of humor, was just making it worse by ad libbing and. It just, you know, those are always fun. Just the laughter that we have doing that. It's probably why we don't record any uh, together anymore. They're separating us like, your children can't play together anymore. <laughs> and, uh, oh, one time uh, I was doing a, uh, I think a little, uh, 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 you know, like a music album uh, with Wayne and Rusey. And I went in and I was not feeling well. I had about 100, 101 fever. And I'd done my lines, and Wayne and Rusey were at the microphone. I sat down on a little couch that they had in the recording studio, and they were recording. And then they heard me snoring. I fell asleep right in the middle of them recording. So, like, <laughs> gosh, Minnie, what do you think of this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> wake Goofy up, would you? You know. <laughs> uh, so, are there any um, current projects that you're working on? Oh, absolutely. We have, uh, of course, we're continuing the Mickey Mouse shorts. Um, we just did a couple of uh, uh, parades for, like, Tokyo Disneyland. And uh, um, let's see. Oh, and, uh, we have a new series that's in production now called 7D. Now, it's not goofy. I It is 7D as in Seven Dwarves. It is kind of a prequel to the classic dwarves. Of the classic dwarves, I'm sleepy. In this one, I am Doc. And Doc kind of is the, he's kind of the inventor of the, uh, and the kind of the leader of the dwarves, and, and kind of the uh, uh, father figure. And uh, we're in the middle of that, and it's got a great cast, One of, just a powerhouse cast. We have uh, Maurice LaMarche, Billy West, Steve Stanton, Scotty Menville, uh, Dee Bradley Baker, Jess Harnell, and a, wow. a, a person, I haven't met the girls yet, but one of them is Kelly Osborne. And this oh, week wow. we're having... We are doing an EPK or a promotional thing. Well, we'll be. Uh, hopefully, she'll be there. I, I want to meet her, and we'll get to uh, shoot pictures and, and do a session this coming week. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We'll all be together because sometimes we. Oh, and uh, Kevin Michael Richardson also, who's one of the great uh, voice actors of our time, he's in the show as well. Is there um, a date for that? That it'll be out. I I have heard. Uh, I think I heard September. You know, it takes them a long time. They send these things off, and it takes them a year to animate. Right. So we don't get to even see them until, um, you know, they're on air. A lot of people think we're looking at the movie and then putting the voices into the animated characters. No, they always record the voices first, then they send the voice track off to be animated. 
and they draw these pictures in response to what the character is saying. So you get the facial expressions and all that. So we don't see it at all until everyone else does. Well, I was actually wondering if you if, if they drew to you or if you voiced to their drawings. That's interesting to, to, to see the, the, the order that they do that. Generally, yeah, the principal recording you do uh, just in a microphone with just a script. Then they have later on what you call ADR, or additional dialogue replacement, which is called a loop group or looping, where you actually are watching the movie. And I've done a lot of uh, of the Pixar movies in what we have as a loop group, and we'll add, you know, incidental characters, maybe characters in the background, maybe crowd scenes. And over the years, I've worked on oh dozens of movies like Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and Bugs Life and Monsters Inc. and Cars and and uh, most recently uh, for Disney, um, uh, Monsters University. And we have, uh, you know, like uh, in the, oh, Beauty and the Beast we were in, and I was, uh, like the crowd, a lot of the crowd scene was attacking the castle. That's the loop group that does that. Um, in a movie, Shrek 2, I was an announcer. Like, And it's one of the few times you actually, it stands out. So my son recognized my voice. We saw that movie, and I was saying things like, Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Princess Fiona and Prince Shrek. And my son goes, hey, Dad, that's you. And I, oh, yeah, I guess it was. I'd forgotten I did that. <laughs> wow. Well, we really want to just you know, thank you for being on the show. This was an honor. This was an amazing. Absolutely. Just amazing. Yep. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, let all of our listeners know where they can find you, uh, your website, Twitter, all, whatever you do in social media. Twitter, please, uh, please t tune in. It's at Goofy Bill, at Goofy Bill on Twitter. I have a website, BillFarmer.com, and I always kind of keep things posted of what I, what's coming up and what I've been doing and things like that. And of course, on Facebook, Bill Farmer, uh, and you know, I'll always paste stuff mostly on the website. If they go to the website, they can find exactly where I am and all that kind of contact info and stuff. Great. All righty. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We had a great time. Yeah, well, my pleasure. Th thank you, and guys. That'll do it for this week's show. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and leave us a comment on the episode notes over at EnchantedTikiTalk.Podbean.com. You can also email us at EnchantedTikiTalk at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at TikiTalkPodcast. And you can reach me at One Minute Disney Dream on Twitter. That's one M I N Disney Dream and MouseWorldVacations.com. You can find me at Dolwhip Daily on Twitter and DolwhipDaily.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Norman Bates. That's N O R M N B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening to the show. For Sean and Keith and our very special guest, Bill Farmer, I'm Alan, and this has been the Enchanted Tiki Talk Podcast. Oh boy, that cheerwine sure is good. <laughs>